Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Alright folks, we are in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verses 11 through 15 is our where we're going to spend our time today. The title of today's sermon is Question, a love or hate relationship. Oftentimes we say we have a love-hate, love and hate relationship of various things. You know, last night we had um, tacos and we all have a love-hate relationship with tacos, don't we? Because we love the way they taste, but we hate what they do to our waist. Oh, they're so good, but they're just not good to me, right? And so we have a love-hate relationship with various things in our lives But today we're going to look at this contrast um, as we've grown accustomed to in in John's writing, this contrast between what love is and what hate is and who um, exhibits love and who exhibits hatred. That's how we're going to spend our time this morning. So if you would, please stand one last time as we read the Word of God. We're in 1 John chapter 3. Verses 11 through 15, this is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sit here with our Bibles open, Lord, and what we need to really have open is the eyes of our heart. So Lord, I pray that you would empower us by the Spirit to um, experience that illumination this morning where we can see great and wonderful things in your Word. Lord, your Word is already wonderful. Help us to see it. Help us to be convicted where we need to be convicted. Help us to be strengthened where we need to be strengthened, encouraged where we need to be encouraged. Break hard, stony hearts and mend broken hearts this morning, Lord, through your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. A love or hate relationship. John sure does know how to really write these stark contrasts, doesn't he? I mean, he says these things that 
just seem absolutely absurd. I mean, anybody who hates is a murderer? I'm sure none among us this morning have really thought that way. But as we begin to unpack our text this morning, let's really be reminded of the fact that these aren't just words on a paper. This isn't just a textbook that somebody put together and handed out one day. But these are words that were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by a man, yes, by the hand of a man, but under direct inspiration of God. Therefore, when this speaks, it is as though God himself is speaking. Let's have that in mind as we unpack this morning. We're going to start here right at the very first verse, verse 11. Our first heading today is the importance of the same old message. Like the little apostrophe after the L. The same old message. Wanted it to sound really West Texan this morning. It's the importance of the same old message. You know, we, we, we often, in, especially in churches, we think um, that we just need to always be adapting and always need to be evolving according to the culture. And you can do that. There are plenty of churches that do that. And as soon as the culture changes again, they have to change again. But true churches, churches that last, churches that stand the test of time, are built not on the latest cultural trend or social whim, but they are built on the same old message. One of the things, and I might talk about him a lot, so you'll forgive me, but John MacArthur what is so appealing about his ministry is that he's spent 50 years preaching the same old message. If you've ever heard him preach, that guy's boring. He's so dry to listen to because he's not very, he doesn't have great charisma and he will admit it. He talks about it himself. But you know what is the appeal is that he's opening the word of the, the Lord and he's been preaching it for 50 years. That's why he's been so successful. So that church is standing the test of time. And as John MacArthur passes on, because he's just a servant, he's not God, he's not a Messiah, as he passes on and passes the baton, as long as that church is still holding true to the same old message, they'll continue to flourish. And that is the case of any church anywhere. Whenever we hold to the same old message that has always been taught believed and received by Christians throughout history, we will thrive. We will be healthy. We will flourish in what the Lord has for us. Where am I getting this? From verse 11. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. What is he saying? This isn't new, guys. I'm not coming up with something trendy. This isn't the latest hashtag campaign. This is what has always been taught. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. You remember from chapter 1, verse 5, John used this exact same phrase. He said, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And here, John is not changing his mind and changing the message by saying that this is the message that we should love one another. 
Instead, this is an extension of that message. This is an extension of God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Therefore, we should love one another. Why? Because love and light are synonymous with one another. Darkness and hatred are synonymous with one another. Therefore, if we are in God, who is light, what should we be like? Children of light who are walking in love towards one another. In the mind of John, there is no difference between preaching the gospel, that that God is light, and obeying the gospel, which is loving one another. It is, of course, in the message of the gospel that we find the greatest account of the greatest love, of the greatest person towards the greatest of sinners ever recorded, remembered, and recited, and hopefully received. It's in the gospel that we learn of true, meaningful, transformative love because it is God who loved us while we were still sinners. The beginning here can be defined most specifically as when you first believed. He said, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. Well, when is the beginning? Well, in one sense, it is from the beginning of when people first started preaching and teaching the message of God. But in another, more specific sense, it is from the beginning of when you first believed that this is the message that you heard, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, Therefore, you should love. Hopefully, you were preached in the gospel presentation that you were to repent of your sins and renounce your old life by turning to Christ and putting your faith in Him. In this repenting of sin and renouncing of the old life, we are to now pursue holiness. And Scripture shows us, especially this Scripture, That holiness is right next to the command to love one another. See, here's the thing. I want to point this out because we tend to try to separate these two things. That I don't really need to practice holiness because I'm so loving. Well, in John's mind, what John is writing here is that is absolutely impossible. You see, from our last section, just last week, what was John talking about? If you live in sin, you're not a Christian. It was a a life of holiness. It was the pursuit of holiness. And then he dives right into talking about love. In other words, to love someone is to be pursuing holiness. To pursue holiness is also to be loving Towards the brethren. Now, we are going to be very specific today because this text is, when he's talking about brothers, he doesn't just mean general love for all people. Obviously, we know that we are to love God and love neighbor. But even more specifically, we are to have a special kind of love for people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're being honest, probably the hardest Things to be obedient to in Scripture are to love the way that Scripture commands us to love. It's nearly impossible for us. We think that love means I'm nice to people. 
That's not love. That's not the love that has been modeled for us throughout Scripture. Obviously, we're nice to people, obviously. But that is not what makes love, love. It is actually sacrifice. It is the preference of that person over myself. And again, how hard is that message to follow? If God could have such great patience towards you and I, who are terrible sinners, how much more patient and loving should you and I be towards people who aren't even as bad of a sinner as we are? You see, in our minds, each one of us should be the worst sinner that we know. This is how we should view ourselves. This is humility. It's not a a self-loathing kind of way. It's not to say, oh, poor me, I'm just this horrible sinner. But it is a humility in understanding that nobody owes God as great a debt as I do. Why? Because you know you. Because you go home with you. Because you are there with you when nobody else is. So you know you better than you know anybody else. Therefore, it stands to reason that we should be very aware of how sinful we are before the Lord. Again, not in a self-loathing sense, but in a humble way of understanding. This understanding, this helps us to bear with one another in patience and kindness towards one another. It allows us to cover one another with grace because we understand what we are like. So why would I point the finger at other people? Because I know me, and I'm the worst sinner I know. But more importantly here, we want to see John saying that this is the same old message that has always been taught, preached, received, and believed We don't want a new message of godliness and love. We want the old, timeless truths. You've heard me quote it before, but if it's new, it ain't true. We do not want some new way to heaven that doesn't require as much sacrifice. We want the old way that Christians have always found and taken. It's the ancient paths that lead to eternal life. It's the same message that we have received From the beginning. Thus, to have this Holy Spirit and this Holy God within us means that we must necessarily so also have love for all of those who have been born of God. That is to say, a true child of God will love other children of God. And no, as we said last week, we are not all children of God, not in this sense. We are in the sense that God has given everyone life, but God has not given everyone eternal life. Not everyone has been born again, born into his heavenly family. Those are children of God. So John is going to make very clear to us here that there are children of God and children of the devil, and we're going to spend the rest of our time kind of examining that. Our second heading today is... Children of the devil hate children of God. In typical John fashion, he goes on to demonstrate what he means about loving one another by giving us a negative example. He says, this is the message that you have heard, that you should love one another, 
don't do it like this, right? Instead of going right into giving us specific directions, which he will get to, and we'll dive into that next week, but instead of doing that, he first says, here's what I don't mean by what I just said. Not like Cain. What a bizarre place to go. Does anyone who knows the story of Cain and Abel, is anyone thinking, man, that Cain really loved Abel? I'm sure they just had, you know, they had their bumps and their bruises. But that Cain really loved Abel. I know he did. No one's ever thought that. And if your Sunday school has taught, your Sunday school class taught you that, run from that class. Right? Because Cain murdered his brother in cold blood. So nobody is of this, under this impression that, that Cain loved his brother. So why in the world would John bring this up? This doesn't seem to be an example of just how not to love somebody, does it? I mean, what is really going on here? Why would he bring this up? Moreover, is John implying that people at this church were about to murder each other? Is that what he's concerned about? Is that, man, you guys, last time I was there, there was a lot of tension, and I don't want you to kill each other. Or I'm hearing a lot of rumors that a lot of people are stocking up on knives and ropes before they go to church. Man, if that's the case, wow, they must be having some really contentious business meetings, right? I think maybe in the business meeting, that's where people get the most, I'm just kidding. But you understand, why, why, why bring this story up? So let's, let's look, let's try to figure this out. Genesis chapter 4, turn there with me. You know where Genesis is at. It's at the very beginning of your Bible, not the table of contents. It's right after that. It's the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. This is the account of Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 1 through 10. Now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel. Sorry. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Do you see that holiness next to love. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. 
we see we have to make an assumption here that at some point Adam had to have taught his children about proper sacrifices, right? Where there's an assumption here because Cain and Abel seem to know that they're supposed to bring sacrifices before the Lord. And one of them seems to be obedient to what they were taught, Abel. He was obedient. He understood that whenever I bring a sacrifice before the Lord, it has to be the blood of something. We learn that later in, I believe, Leviticus, that it's the blood that atones for sin. And so evidently, Cain either didn't really care about the message, or maybe he was in a hurry that day. Who knows what the true, what really happened and transpired there. But we know that Cain brought a sacrifice that was not acceptable before the Lord, and it really made him angry. Not just that his sacrifice was rejected, but also that Abel's was accepted. How do we know that? Because he killed Abel. If he was just upset that his own sacrifice was rejected, he would have no grounds to then go and kill Abel. As a matter of fact, he had an opportunity here, didn't he? When God came before him, he could have said, well, you know, God, it just, it really upsets me that you disregarded my sacrifice and you said it wasn't acceptable and worthy in your sight. Why would you do that, Lord? And God would have told him, hey, Cain, you already know how this goes. You know about sacrifices, good and proper, acceptable sacrifices, and he could have had an opportunity to repent. He did have an opportunity. And he could have said, Abel, hey, man, uh, can you teach me? Help me to learn how to give a proper sacrifice because I don't like the way this feels whenever I, I, I brought my first fruits before God and he rejected them. Can you help me? Teach me, Abel, what did you do? Or, or, or Abel, can I buy some a couple of sheep from you so that next time we have a sacrifice, I can bring a worthy and acceptable sacrifice before the Lord. He didn't do any of those things. What did he do instead? Hatred gripped his heart, fueled by jealousy and envy. It gripped his heart, and it caused him, stirred him to slay his own brother. This word in Hebrew here is indicative of him using his bare hands or maybe just some blunt force instrument. In other words, it was a very gruesome, very hate-filled, violent murder that took place between brothers. Do you understand what a story this is? Cain and Abel are brothers Cain was so angered and enraged because of his jealousy that he murdered his own brother. And fast forward back to our text. John says, you see that example? That's exactly how not to do it. See, whenever we ask, why would Cain do this? John answers the question. He's doing an expository sermon for us here. He says, we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one, a child of the devil, and murdered his brother. John asks, why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, 
and his brothers were righteous. Abel brings the firstborn animal to sacrifice before the Lord. God looks at both sacrifices and says, Cain, you missed the mark. Abel, right on target. Cain's heart is sent into a rage because his brother did what was right and he didn't. Herein we find the reason why the world hates us, as verse 13 says. It's because Christians' works are righteous and the world's works are evil. This is why verse 13 says, don't be surprised by this. Dark hides from the light. Sin hides from holiness. We need only hearken back to a chapter earlier in Genesis when Adam and Eve hide from the Lord after they first fell. Sinfulness, sinful people, people who are practicing sin, people who John's last uh, section, chapter uh, verse 4 through 10 People who are living in that lifestyle hate people who are walking in righteousness. Isaiah, upon seeing the Lord in all of his resplendent holiness and majesty, immediately pronounces the prophet's curse upon himself because he recognizes how sinful he is. Righteousness and holiness has this way of shining the light on people who are walking in sin. And they don't want to be around it. They scatter. Remember, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Not even a little bit. What better place do we see this on display than in the crucifixion of Jesus? The Pharisees hated Jesus so much. Why? The Pharisees had the appearance of righteousness. But here came the Holy One of God who was fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law to the T perfectly before God, and the Pharisees hated him. They hated him so much that they were constantly looking for a way to kill him until they finally did. And so it continues on today. We shouldn't be surprised when the world hates us. But it is a surprise when you find people in the church who are hateful. And it's always the same reason. People who are walking in unrighteousness hate it when people are walking in righteousness. They won't be around you. They don't want to talk to you. They will avoid you. Why? Because your life exposes all of the flaws in their life causes people to say, what, do you think you're a better Christian than everybody else? You think you're just better Christian than me? You think that I'm doing it wrong? You're probably not that great, are you? Look at verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. What? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Are you kidding me? John was not worried and concerned that these people were going to kill each other. See, we don't have to actually physically take somebody's life to wish they never existed. We don't have to go take somebody's life, but often we want to tarnish somebody's name. We might not take somebody's life, 
but we will do all that we can to make sure that no one wants to be around this person. Why? Because their works are righteous and mine are evil, and I hate it. You might not ever kill somebody, but do you hate it when they're around? Why bring this example up? Cain's heart was filled with so much jealousy, envy, and hatred because he was doing what was wrong. And Abel's good, righteous life exposed him before the Lord. And he couldn't stand it. We have John chapter 3 that shows us even more clearly. You can turn there if you would like. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Notice the two opposing sides. God in his love is sending his own son into the world full of sinners, not to condemn sinners, but to save those who would believe in him. We see love's desire to cover a multitude of sins. Pay attention to that. But then on the flip side, we see people who do not believe in him finding themselves under God's condemnation. Why? Because they don't believe in the name of the only Son of God. What led to this judgment? That Christ came into the world as light. Remember, God is light. And people in darkness hated him, and they continue to hate him to today. They hated him because their own works were evil. Just like Cain, who hated his brother because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Verse 20 from that chapter says, Everyone, everyone, everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Those dead in sin hide from the light of Christ because they don't want to be exposed. This is why anywhere, anywhere that you find sound, biblical teaching and preaching, you will find that unregenerate people will not stick around. They flee. It either draws you to the light of Christ or the light of Christ causes you to run for the hills. Why? Because your works are evil. And the light exposes you. It shows who you really are. And you know what? People who are in Christ continue further into that light and say, yeah, this is who I am. 
Lord, help me. Lord, change me. Lord, shape me. Lord, mold me. Lord, make me new. But people who walk in unrighteousness, whose ways are evil and wicked, run. And they say, I didn't need them anyway. I didn't need them anyway. Who do they think they are? They think they're better than everybody? They think they have cornered the market on how to be a Christian? There's just something about the human heart. When the human heart is falling short in some way, it is so easily angered by people who are making progress where we are failing. It's John Piper's quote. The human heart that is falling short in some way is so easily angered by people who are making progress where we're failing. Is that not Cain and Abel? Is that not exactly what happened? That Abel was making progress, Cain was not, and he hated him so much that he killed him. Now you might say this morning, I've never had any intention of murdering anyone. But John doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say murderers are murderers. He says people who hate their brother are murderers. Why is this? Because the Lord does not look on the outside. He looks at the heart. And it is hatred that leads people to murder. It's just like from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says that if you have lust in your heart towards another woman, you've already committed adultery. It's already happened. Why? Because he's not looking on the action. He's looking on your heart. And when we harbor that resentment towards people, when we see someone making progress in grace, listen, nobody is better than anybody. No one. Only God is good. So anybody who is growing spiritually, it is because God is doing a work in that person's life. And when you look at that person and you are filled with resentment and jealousy and anger and hatred and all you want to do is talk bad about that person and find all of their flaws, find their weaknesses and say, see, I told you they weren't that good. John says it is evidence that you are still abiding in death, that you don't even know God. hard reality, isn't it? But it's what's true. It's what John has been doing this entire book, is saying, if you do this, you don't know him. But if this is happening in you, it's evidence that you do know him. We might not ever intend to kill somebody, but harboring those things in our heart is just as bad is taking their life. John says you're no better than Cain. It takes a person full of hatred to see somebody who's being softened by grace and hardened their hearts against them. John is showing us that this is evidence that you are a child of the devil, not a child of God. you have hatred in your heart repent 
Because thanks be to God that he gives us the opportunity, doesn't he? Listen, every one of us has struggled at some point with jealousy, with anger, with bitterness. But thanks be to God that he gives us the opportunity to turn from those things, to give it up, to lay it at the altar, to lay it at the foot of the cross and say, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be a child of the devil. But the more that we hide in the darkness, the further and further from the Lord we go. Our last heading. Children of God love children of God. Verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Why? Because we love the brothers. This is language of regeneration. Passing out of death into life. Let us take this moment to reiterate that being a Christian is not evidenced by one time at youth camp you raised your hand and said you wanted to be a Christian. Evidence that you are a Christian is that the Spirit of God is working in you and changing you. If you do not have the Spirit of God at work in your heart, it matters not how many times you've raised your hand. What matters is the work that the Spirit has wrought inside of you. That is what we find all throughout Scripture. You must be born again. This is what John is reminding us of, that you know that you have passed from death to life. Do you understand what kind of work it takes to bring a dead man back to life? Not just this. It's not just this. It is the Holy Spirit coming and doing a work in you. And what John is showing us here is that what your deeds show is what's happening in your heart. If you're growing in greater levels of love for the brethren, it is evidence that the Lord has begun a work in your heart. And praise God for that. Praise God for his work that we are completely undeserving of. Where the child of the devil hates it when he sees people making greater strides in the spiritual maturity. The child of God says, Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at where you've come, brother. Look at where you started and look at where you're at now. Hey, I just want you to know you're growing. You are flourishing. And it strengthens my faith to see it happening in you. And would you pray for me? Would you pray that the Lord would do that same work in my heart? Because, brother, I've been struggling. I've been having a really hard time with my sin. And I hate it. I loathe it. Would you help? This is what the child of God does. Hey, not hey, did you see how they looked at me? Hey, have you seen sister? Have you heard the way she prays now? Have you heard how deep and meaningful her prayers are? Hey, have you seen how he answers questions in Sunday school now? He's really learning. He's really growing. Praise God. God for that. The child of God cheers 
on the work of God and other children of God. They don't look at it with jealousy. They don't look at it with anger. No greater place do we see this evidence than in the gospel. The child of the devil mocks, criticizes, judges, and condemns. The child of God encourages, guides, prays, and forgives. And this is exactly evidence of the gospel at work in our lives. Why? Because the righteous judge of the universe, the one we have sinned against, saw sinners in their poor, destitute state and said, Would you look at this bunch of losers? No. He didn't say, What a waste of creation material. He didn't say, They'll never make it to heaven. I should have created someone else. No. Instead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, working in perfect unity, set forth to execute a plan of redemption and cover the sins of use, people who are broken, destitute, dead in their sin. He set in forth a plan to redeem his own enemies. Do you see that? This is why we sing about the brilliance of the gospel. The father elects the people who will be saved. The son came and paid the price for the elect. And then the Holy Spirit applies salvation to each person who has been chosen of God. Jesus laid down his life for failures, for losers, for people of poor reputation, for homeless people, for addicts, for people who can't figure it out, for people who can't help themselves. He set his heart on people who were in rebellion against him. Love laid down his life for those who can't practice righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love shown towards us in Christ. Lord, we uh, ask that you would help us in all the areas that we fail to love as Christ has loved. Lord, that you would strengthen us, Lord, that you would make us more and more like you and less and less like our old selves, all for the glory of God and the edification of the body. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.